Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to gather here in the name that is above every name. And Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your presence will come. And you would be in this place, dear God, and you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, there be no pretense, dear God, that we would truly, Lord, be open and honest with you that your word that we hear tonight will find fertile soil. Lord, that your word that goes forth may accomplish what you will. And that it would come to fruition, dear God, within our lives. We desire your presence, Lord. We desire to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we pray that you would bless now this time. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Well, indeed, I am so honored to be with you once again uh, here at Nazarene Bible College. And um, what an honor it is for me. Uh, but I have to admit to you that I have to kind of get over a little psychological, uh, you know, speed bump, so to speak. Because every time I come here, I start thinking about how many years ago it was that I actually stood out there in the Apostles' Court, you know, and made that pledge. And uh, I was adding the years up once again. It was like 33 years ago. And it's like, my goodness. Somebody came in tonight and was asking me, was, uh, well, was a little amazed that we had, my wife and I have grandchildren. And uh, we do have grandchildren. We have six grandchildren. And uh, it's like our daughters had five kids. And so it's like, you know, I'm too young for this. You know, it's like, you, you got to slow down. This is getting too serious. You know, I'm not ready for, for all of this. But uh, life goes on. It's amazing. He used, to, he used to say, you know, time goes by fast, you know. And uh, uh, I remember an older man telling me when I was a young man, he gave me a bit of advice that I didn't take. I wish I had heeded his advice. He said, young man, don't ever grow old. But uh, anyway, it, it happens to all of us. Amen. Well, God is good. I hope I'm on schedule. I think I have about 30 minutes or so. Um, share the Word of God with you. If you have your Bibles, open to Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, I'm honored again to be here to just be sharing the Word of God with you. And uh, what a powerful text to uh, be speaking from. And of course, I'll, Lord willing, if I, if I do okay tonight, I think I'll be back tomorrow night, the next two nights. Um, but um, uh, if not, I'll just give it my best shot tonight. But uh, Isaiah 6 is a, is a tre tremendous uh, passage of, of Scripture. The next couple of nights I want to talk to you about after, you know, uh, as Isaiah goes out, he says, Lord, here am I, send me. There's some obstacles, some, some things we need to do if God is sending us out. We're going to talk about letting down your net, and, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, trusting God when uh, in the midst of the storm. So, uh, you know, just because God tells you to go doesn't mean things don't go wrong sometimes. Amen. He says go, but sometimes things also go wrong. <laughs> Amen. So we'll be, we'll be talking about that. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door of the temple were shaken by the voice of him who cried out 
and the house was filled with smoke. In the year that King Uzziah died, as I thought about the context here of the text, in that year, King Uzziah was a pretty popular king in Judah. He died, many believe, around, agree, about 758 B.C., having been the king of Judah for many years. And it seemed like the sun was setting on the prosperity of the nation of Judah. And as I thought about this King Uzziah and the prosperity and the sun setting on the prosperity of a nation, in the midst of that situation, Isaiah receives a vision from God. And I thought about you tonight. Many of you are called to ministry, and you may be here for various reasons. Maybe to be a pastor or, or to just further your education or whatever it may be, but you desire to serve the Lord. In a year, in our day, in our time, where it seems like maybe the most prosperous times of our nation are behind us. And this was a sad time for, for Israel or for Judah at the time when King Uzziah died. And, and some people feel today that our best years as a nation in America are behind us. But even in the midst of this, the year that King Uzziah died, even in the midst of some of the troubling things, they wonder what, what's going to happen to the nation? Are we going to continue to prosper and all? In the midst of that, God revealed to his servant Isaiah that he is still on the throne. And, and one of the things we need to understand as we are, are in the midst of the situation here in the world today, in the midst of what America is going through, in the midst of the crises and the economic situation and all of these things and the foreign policies and all this, is that God is not worried about none of this. God is still on the throne. And, and then at a time when we should, you know, it seemed like we ought to be digging a hole and sticking our head in the sand and, and fearing and circling the wagons, God is saying, now it's time to stand up. Now it's time to believe God that he hasn't lost any equity. He doesn't need a bailout. Amen. That he is still on the throne. And so we, we you know, we approach this. When I read it in context, and I don't have time to get into all the historical ramifications and all that was going on then at, at that time, but there was, this was a troubling time. And about 150 years, my math may be wrong, some of you professors straighten me out afterwards. About 150 years before they were carried off into the Babylonian captivity. And in this year that King Uzziah died, God is basically saying, I need you to speak to my people, speak to this nation. Judgment is coming. God is not worried about our times. You know, I think about the man down in Florida who wanted to burn the Quran. He's one frustrated brother. <laughs> Amen. But the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And if you have not love, you are nothing. Sounding brass and clanging cymbals. God is not frustrated. God is not fearful. And sometimes I believe that we miss that point because we don't see God as he is. He's high and lifted up. And Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. The Lord was doing all right. Amen. His economy is prospering. He's not worried about tomorrow. And the Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. Isaiah had a vision. And this is what I, my point that I'm getting to as I open this message. And that is that. I have realized that before any of us can really answer a call, I don't care if it's to be a Sunday school teacher or whatever it is, we have to have a true vision of God, a true vision of purity, 
or we cannot be effective. I fear today, as uh, I look at the landscape of evangelicalism in America, somehow we have put our faith and trust. Now, stay with me. I don't want to lose some of you. Our faith and trust more in politics than in the presence of God. I was uh, blessed to speak at an event a few years ago, and it had to do with prayer. And uh, I shared the words of our Lord where he said, when you pray, go to your closet, shut your door, and pray to your God in secret. And I said, what we need to do as Christians in this country, the best thing we can do for America is to pray. I was followed by a former politician who basically refuted everything I said. What troubled me was that he received a lot larger applause and louder applause than the Word of God. And I thought, something's wrong with this picture. Have we forgotten the presence of God? And is it any wonder that 1,500 pastors leave the ministry permanently every month? Is it any wonder that 50% of pastors' marriages end in divorce? Something's wrong with that picture. And I believe what's wrong with the picture is that somewhere along the line, we have forgotten the presence of God. And I know when I was here in 1974, amen, we heard a lot about holiness and about the presence of God and the fear of the Lord. And somehow I feel like we've forgotten that, that, that as, as ministers, as servants of the Lord, uh, something we've forgotten about his presence. And what God wanted Isaiah to see more than anything else was his very presence. I want you to see who I am, Isaiah, before you go. And before you can go and be effective for the Lord, you've got to have a true vision of who God is. A true vision of God produces two things. It produces a sense of holiness and a sense of lowliness. Holiness and lowliness. Verses 1 to 4 in Isaiah chapter 6, there's a sense of holiness here. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. You know, it wasn't, you know, back then it was the temple, the physical temple and all, you know, that they had built. But we today in the church, we are the temple of God. Do I personally in my life see God high and lifted up in my life? And again, maybe that's why there's so much failure and trouble in the church because we have failed personally to see God high and lifted up. I didn't say if the person sitting next to you sees God high and lifted up, because, you know, we're always elbowing people in church. Yeah, you need to sit up and listen to this. Amen? But the only wagon we can fix is our own. God, God are you high and lifted up in my life? Are you Lord in my life? That, that's, where, that's where revival begins. Start with me, Lord. And, and so he's high and lifted up in the temple. And again, uh, for us personally today, it's, it's, Lord, are you high and lifted up within me? And when you see God high and lifted up, and this is a beautiful chapel. I don't know 
how, you know, what Isaiah saw, I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, it must have been just an amazing vision of who God is, and just, he was just in awe. And when he saw him high and lifted up, there's three, three reactions that I find here within the Texas. One thing, the first thing he did is he recognized, was a recognition rather, of God's holiness. That this is not some manifestation of, or, you know, some type of a, 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 just a, a, a vision or some mirage. This is something that, that re- deserves worship, that deserves my all. This is something that's calling for my everything. This vision was captivating. And, 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 and he, had a, he recognized the, the holiness of God because it's only when we truly recognize the holiness of God that we can cry out with the seraphim, holy, holy, holy. If we don't have a true vision of, of God's holiness, that God is high and lifted up, he is to be worshipped. He is to be the object of my worship. Then we cannot cry out effectively. Because some, in some of our minds, God is not high and lifted up. He's low. And he needs my help. And I'm going to Bible college because God needs a little help. No, Lord, I need you. You're my all in all. He's high and lifted up. And then, see, then we can cry out. I can cry out sincerely. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty with the, with the seraphim, with the, the angelic host. But the compromised soul cannot cry out effectively. Leaven of sin muffles our cry. When we allow sin into our hearts and our lives, when we, it, 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 it demeans the position of God, it, it, it brings God low to my level rather than exalting him high in my life. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then he says this, the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Why? Because he knows how to cry out. Because he or she sees God as he is, high and lifted up. The only remedy for us when we find ourselves in a place of compromise, and I'm not saying someone, I, you know, compromise and say, you know, president hasn't told me anything about anybody here, but the reality is that the only remedy for any compromise in our life is that we confess our sin, that we ask God for his forgiveness. And sometimes the reason we can't see God exalted is because we've exalted our flesh. You know, the Bible talks about idolatry. And a lot of times we think about the, the idols, uh, you know, the, the uh, idols in the Old Testament and, and, and the prophet Baal or Baal or, uh, uh, and, and some of these other idols that they had. But the reality is sometimes the greatest idol that we worship even today, because idolatry goes on today, is us. The worship of ourselves. And when we worship ourselves, God cannot be exalted when we exalt ourselves. And the only remedy to that idolatry is to repent, to say, God, forgive me. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, and I love this scripture because there's sometimes in our lives that we need to come back to the Lord and be refreshed. And I say sometimes, but it, for me, it's every day. <laughs> the Bible says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. I can't serve you, Lord, unless I let the blood of Christ be applied to my life and cleanse me on a daily basis. The blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. That's the power of the blood. And so, Lord, I need that in order to see you high and lifted up. I must decrease, Lord. As John the Baptist said, Lord, you must increase. 
Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, he talked, said something along this line. He said, you know what? I carry about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Christ might be manifested through my flesh. So then death is working in me, but life works in you. In order for me to be an effective witness, I must see you high and lifted up. And in order for you to, me to be effective, Lord, an instrument in your, your hands to touch the lives of others, I've got to decrease so that you can increase. I can't worship myself anymore. Oh, you know we love to worship ourselves, don't we? Amen. Isaiah had a vision. God so holy that it, it exalted God and, and he was made low. He had a vision of the Lord. And he was aware. The second thing is he saw this vision. He was not only aware, recognized the holiness of God, but he was aware of God's glory. The Bible says here in Isaiah 6, the latter part of verse 3, he said, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Now he said, well, what does that mean? The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, that's just simply what it says. Amen. <laughs> in Hebrew, the whole earth is full of his glory. But it means something, something deeper, I think, for me. Because the reality is that, what that tells me is that nowhere, no matter where I go on earth, God is there. His presence is there with me. The whole earth is full of his glory. Regardless of my situation or whatever, the presence of God is there. God is with you no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are. He is there with you. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 16 and 17, there's that wonderful story of Jacob when he's traveling, fleeing his brother from his brother Esau. He comes to a place, a certain place the Bible calls it, and he lays down and he has his dream, and many of you uh, are familiar with the story. But Genesis chapter 28, verses 16 and 17 says, you know, he had this dream and he woke up. He had this vision of God, the angels ascending and descending on what they call, we call Jacob's ladder. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. He woke up. He, he fell down, went to sleep somewhere. He didn't, you know, certain places all it called. The Bible said it was. And then he, he woke up. And, and then this is what he said after he had this vision and this vision of God and God being exalted and all. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Here's my point. He, he's basically saying that this place that I'm at, this certain place that I'm at, I didn't expect to be in this certain place, but this certain place that I'm at, God is right here. In other words, his glory is everywhere, even in this place where I didn't expect God to be, here God is. And, 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 and the, the, the thing in my life that were, that were messed up or, or the tragedy in my life there's, is, is, is actually a glory thing because not because I've got it all figured out I've got it all worked out it's glorious because God is here with me Amen. God is there with you in the midst of whatever you're going through if you would open your eyes sometimes we just don't look around to see that God's glory fills the earth and wherever I am he is there with me and I didn't know that this awful place was actually an awesome place because the presence of God is there amen, amen. it is amazing how God's presence how God's presence can take something as awful and make it awesome. And I know you have your own testimonies of how God is able to do that. His glory is in all the earth. He, Isaiah first sees him as holy. He then, he says, he, he's aware of the glory of God, his glory in all the earth. And then thirdly, seeing the holiness of God and God high and lifted up, he experienced 
the power of God. He experienced the power of God. The Bible says here in verse 4, in the post of the door were shaken. Where the presence of God is, where he's seen high and lifted up, where there's an awareness of his holiness and he's to be worshipped. Where there is an awareness of his glory. There's a manifestation. There will be a manifestation of his power. The door, the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. You know, we want God to shake America. God, bring this land back to yourself. But you know where God does his shaking first? Within the house of God. When his people experience his power, then God heals the land. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. you know it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the first thing that I've got to see, how much time I got? The first thing I've got to see, if I'm called by the Lord, is that God is holy. That he's high and lifted up. That his glory fills the earth. That he desires and he will shake up my life by his power. I've, I've got to see him holy first. And then once I see his holiness, the other response, or the other part of a true vision from God is that it also produces lowliness. Because I look at Isaiah's response. Isaiah's response is not some, you know, I'm all puffed up on myself. God's high left, lifted up. He's calling me. Look at me. You know, I, I want to preach. You know, and I, I tell... I have people come to the church sometimes and, and they'll say, hey, Pastor Al, I just want to meet you. And I just want you to know that I also preach, you know. So anytime you need any help, let me know. And I'm thinking in my mind, you'll never get in my pulpit. Because you think you all that in a bag of chips, see. And God's got to break you to show you who you really are. And that's exactly what Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, it broke him. He was humbled. And he says here, he says, woe is me. That's not an attitude of, Lord, when were you going to call me? You knew I was all that, and I'm really your man, and I, knew you, I know you need me, Lord. <laughs> he says, no, woe is me. Do you know where I'm at? Do you know where you're at tonight? Woe is me. I don't see that a lot of times in ministry. I see... Guys walking around and women walking around like, yeah, I'm anointed, I'm this, and like roosters, you know, and, 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 and you know, it's all about them and they're all that. And I'm anointed, boy, wait till they get a, you know, and I used to do that, I used to do that. Sit out there in the audience and, and during the preaching on Sunday, the pastor's preaching, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I could have done better than that, you know. Wait, wait till they hear me. Well, they didn't hear me for about 20 years. God said, you're going to sit here and learn some things. You're going to learn what it means to, be, to say, woe is me. There was a brokenness in him. Woe is me, for I am undone. See, you know, I, let me go on here. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. Have you seen the king?
the Lord of hosts. And one of the seraphim, and then one of the seraphim flew to me, and having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Send me. Purified. Touched by the fire of God. We see his holiness, but we see our lowliness. And that's a good thing. James says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There can be no proud people in his presence. Pride in the presence of God does never mix. He sees the Lord as he is, and the Lord, the vision of seeing the Lord as he is, calls him to see himself as he really is. See, God will show you who you really are. Not to destroy you, but that you may learn how to worship him and to adore him. And when he saw himself as he was, then God gave him the remedy he needed and touched his lips with the coal from the altar of God, from the fire of God. In God's economy, it's not that we, we should exalt ourselves, but in his, his economy, it's those who humble themselves shall be exalted. And this is what Isaiah is doing. He's humbling himself, and God lifts him up. And Jesus said, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He recognizes the fact that I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among some folks of unclean lips. I, I think there's a beautiful revelation, you know, especially when you're a pastor of a church. You, know, you want to start thinking that you're arrogant and you're above everybody else. You're the most educated around and all this. And the reality is you're a man of unclean lips or a woman of unclean lips, and you dwell among the people of unclean lips. And nobody here is perfect. Nobody can afford to have rocks in their pockets because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when you, but but that, that revelation humbles you and will liberate you so that you realize that you're serving in the power of God and in the, the, uh, uh, the, the authority of God, the validation is the word I was looking for, of God, and not in and of yourselves. Dr. G.B. Williamson, so you remember him. In his book, Overseers of the Flock, he said in his book, he said, without the assurance of a divine sanction, Men are disposed to speak apologetically of the gospel. And what that says to me is that if I don't have the assurance that God has validated me and called me, if I don't humble myself before God and, and realize that even though I may be a worm, even though I may be, may be a man of unclean lips, that God is my validation. If I don't have that assurance, I will apologetically enter the ministry. But the Lord says, be of good courage, be bold and of good courage. And you can only do that when you know God. It is God that has called me to do what I am doing. Amen? God is our validation. Because you may feel like Isaiah. Lord, I have unclean lips. I'm not dwell with the people of unclean lips. I'm not, I'm not going back to that church anymore. Them people down there, they, you know, they got unclean lips. Or, or Lord, I, you know, I, I see who you are and I look at myself and I'm ashamed of who I am, Lord. God, I, 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 I'm so weak. But at that very moment, God says, now I can use you because I've chosen the foolish and the weak 
I've chosen what the Bible, you know, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 talks about he's chosen the foolish things of the world, the weak things and all of that. And the reason he does it so that nobody will be able to glory in his presence. Listen, I'm going to have to let you go, but I have so much more I want to say about this. But, but in order to be validated, he had to be cleansed. He had to be touched by the fire of God from the altar of God. It wasn't strange fire. It was the real thing. It wasn't strange fire. It wasn't the fire that Aaron's sons offered foolishly to God that they came up with themselves. It was a fire from the altar of God. Here's my point is that, God, I may be weak, I may be a person of unclean lips, but if I would allow God to touch me with the fire from his altar and purify me, then I can answer the call, here am I, send me. But you can't go in pride, you can't go in arrogance. You can't go in the confidence of your education, even though education is wonderful. It's not by might or power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And only when you see him high and lifted up, his holiness, and see your lowliness, and then come to him as you are and allow him to touch you with his hand, with the fire from his altar. Only then can we truly serve the Lord effectively. Only then can we in our day and time, as Isaiah did in the day when King Uzziah died, only then can we truly be effective. The Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and I'll close with this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth, throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. We cannot be loyal to him until we see him as he is. We need today a fresh anointing, a fresh vision of the fear of God. Now, I'm not talking about walking around paranoid, but a reverence and a holiness of who God is, a, a fresh vision, because it's the only thing that will keep you. I got a call, actually someone told me at the end of a church service, I got two minutes, okay. end of a church service a couple of weeks ago, so he's telling about a brother that I know in the Lord, I, you don't need to know all the details, who was basically had committed adultery in another church he was actually serving at my church at one time, committed adultery. God forgave, restored. He went to serve at another church. Did it, I just heard the other day, did it again. I said, God, why do I do some of the stupid things that I do? And why is he doing those kind of things, Lord? What's wrong with your people? And for me, God is saying, it's a lack of the fear of God. You, they, they, don't know, they no longer see me high and lifted up. They no longer see me high and lifted up. You can have an accountability partner. You can have 18 accountability partners. People can have you on speed dial and call you every minute. But I'm reminded of, of Pac-Man Jones. You know who Pac-Man Jones is? Football player, played for Dallas Cowboys. He's not with them anymore. But Mr. Jones, who owned the Cowboys, tried to keep Pac-Man Jones out of trouble. And he hired, 
I think two or three bodyguards to keep him out of trouble. Pac-Man Jones got in a fight with the bodyguards. <laughs> I'm thinking Jones, you know, the owner is scratching his head going, what can I do with this boy? He had no fear. He was exalted and high and lifted up. Not the Dallas Cowboys, not the organization. And I think, Lord, for myself and my own life, Help me, Lord, to keep you high and lifted up because if there's no fear of the Lord, I don't care how many people you got around you. You'll find a way to sin. But if you fear God, if you've been touched by the fire from heaven, you see his holiness in your lowliness, and yet you can still answer by his grace, Lord, hear my sin me, you will walk in humility whereby you will honor God and God will see that you are exalted. I pray that God blesses you. I look forward to being with you the next couple of days. But, you know, right now, this evening, let's, let's spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Can we do that, brother? And uh, Dr. Like will allow us to do that. And just in your own way to say, God, I need that fresh fire. I need, that, I need your anointing. I, I, want, I want to walk in that reverential fear of the Lord. I want to surrender my life to you. Maybe, maybe you're doing fine tonight. Amen. Maybe I'm just the only one here who needs that. <laughs> But if God has touched your heart and God has said, hey, that's you. Hey, this is the message that I've been trying to say to you, speak to you for a long time. No, no, it's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's you. Your irreverence and your lack of understanding of who I am will take away that fear, will take away your troubled spirit. If you would completely, if you would totally get a new vision of who I am in your life, I'll make a way, I'll provide. But I must be exalted, or you cannot answer my call. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray for those that are here tonight, Lord, and I thank you so much, Father, for each one. I'm so honored, Lord, to be here with them. These are my brothers and sisters. I'm so blessed to be here, Father. But I, I just want to say with them and pray with them and, and ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, you would do a work in our hearts. I don't know how much time we, we have right now, but if you feel led of the Lord to get up and to come and to kneel at these, these altars here, and, to, and, and I'm just going to pray a prayer over you tonight before we leave this place, and I hope I'm not out of order, but if that's your heart's desire, will you come right now and just say, Lord, that's me. I need a new touch. I need a touch of your, your Holy Spirit in my life. I want that fire in my life, Lord. I want to see you high and lifted up in my life right now tonight. God, I come to you and I lay my life down before you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Father, so much for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, right now in our own way, Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Oh God, fill us, Lord, afresh with your power. Lord, we, we recognize that we are lowly, that we are people of unclean lips, but God, give us your fire. Touch us with that fire that comes from your altar. Burn away the dross of our hypocrisy, burn away the dross of our compromise that you might be glorified. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Touch those, Father, who are kneeling here right now, those who are sitting in these seats. Father, we need you right now. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Father, we're so grateful that when we confess our sins, Lord, when we come to you as we are, that you forgive us.
We receive that forgiveness. We receive your love, your restoration, your mercy. We receive your strength and your power, Lord, that we desperately need. May the Lord bless each and every one of you, Lord. May the Lord God make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord grant you, grant you his grace. May he lift up his countenance upon each and every one of you. And may he grant you his peace. In Jesus' holy name.